Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. So uh, on my drive in this morning, uh, I'm driving along, and man, this is a beautiful place to live. I, I'm on the road, I'm headed in, um, and, and as I drive, I, I'm looking at the trees, and a lot of them are changing, some of the leaves are down already, but absolutely gorgeous, and I look up in the clouds, and what are those wispy, long clouds called? Anybody remember from like fifth grade? Cir- cirrus, something like that? Whatever they are. <laughs> I'm not your uh, science teacher, I apologize. But it was just, just a reminder of God's like majesty and glory and beauty. You know, driving in and just being like, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. Thank you for, for what you created and allowed us to be part of. And so just, just blown away, just driving in today, just so thankful to be part of, to be part of you know, his crew. You know, just what Tom said there, to be loved by him, to be created by him. I'm going to start in prayer. Lord, this morning... As we are reminded of who you are, that yes, you are our Father, your Creator, that you love us so deeply, I pray this morning as we approach you, Lord, that you'll teach us from your word, that you'll open our hearts to what you have to say to each and every one of us. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done and for how you care for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to talk today, yes, about Bold Hope, which is the organization that I'm part of. Uh, I'm also going to be opening scripture, um, but I'm going to do it in a, in a testimonial type way. Um, I, 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 th- I find it funny that in the church sometimes we wor- use words like testimony just, I think, to confuse outsiders, but essentially I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story, what God's done in my heart, and what God continues to do in my heart while intertwining it with what Bold Hope is, and how you can get involved if you would like. So I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I grew up in, in, a, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I grew up you know, in a family. We had four kids. My parents were, were, were loving and kind. We attended church on a weekly basis. You know, we, we had two cars. We had, had the pool. We had a neighborhood with other friends like that. So, so a standard you know, American suburban life. There weren't a lot of challenges in my life. There just weren't. When I looked around myself, I didn't know a lot of people with, with true need, true physical uh, need. I was, I was sheltered from that in a lot of ways. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that, that upbringing, and it was wonderful. And I know many of you might be hearing this and saying, that's not familiar at all. Or some of you might be hearing it and go, oh, yeah, I get that. That's, that's where I live, or that's where I lived. But as a child... I felt called into full-time missions. I felt called into some sort of ministry. And I saw Bible verses that really challenged me. Bible verses like James 1.27. And this verse says that religion that our God, our Father, says is pure and faultless. The religion that he sees as pure and faultless is religion that takes after orphans and widows and others. And I looked at my life and I said, I don't know any orphans. I don't know any widows. I don't know anyone who has any need. 
And so I had this weird thing that went on inside me where I, I felt this desire to get involved in people's lives. I felt this desire to love others, and yet I didn't have interaction with those sort of people. And so I, I'm, I'm praying to God saying, what does that mean? What does that mean, Lord? What does it mean when you call us to step into these ugly situations, and yet I don't have people that are going through those ugly situations? What does that look like? So I go off to college, and, and, and in college, I, I get trained, and, and I do what, what my, my friends do. I come out, I get a job in the mortgage industry. And at this time, this is early 2000s. For those of you who are older like me, you remember early 2000s, and it was booming in the real estate industry. So I start investing in homes. I buy a home for myself, and I get married. And, and when we have a nice home, and we have cars, and we have a nice yard, and, and we have everything we need. More than everything we need. Financially, we are, we are set. And yet at night, that same thing when I was a child starts to bug me. I'd sit there laying next to bed with my wife at night. This came up over and over where I'd say, I don't feel like I'm really following what God has for me. I think God's called me to more. And it really bothered me. And so I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have everything I need and I'd go to work and there was success happening. And because of the mortgage industry taking off, we were able to invest in homes and buy and flip homes. And all this stuff's going well. And then I'd get at night and I'd be alone with my wife where I could be vulnerable and real. And I'd say, I don't think I'm doing what God wants me to do. And I'd feel that loneliness. And I'd feel that lack of purpose. I lacked nothing and yet I lacked everything. I lacked purpose. I lacked meaning. When I looked at scripture, I saw example after example of people pouring themselves out for others. Of people saying, I want to spend my life on behalf of someone else. And I looked at my own life, and I was spending my life on behalf of me and my wife and my family and on behalf of this future where I was going to have a great retirement plan. And that's what I was doing. And it was a challenge to me to go, well, what does it look like for me to actually serve Jesus? What does it look like for me to step into these scripture verses that I would read? And these scripture verses were a challenge to me. If we can click this. So I, I said the one already, but if you look, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Isaiah is saying, spend yourself. I just talked about that. Spend yourself on behalf of someone else. I wasn't doing it. And the teacher says to Jesus, hey, what are the greatest, what, what, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. And I looked at the way I lived my life and it felt a little more like I was loving me with all that I was. And that really challenged me. It's a problem. You know what I found? If I look back at my life then, and even some today, I think the person that I associate best with in Scripture and, 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 I, and a lot of people say, well, I associate with Peter or John, or I associate with, you know, Joseph or this or that. I think maybe the person that I associate best with in Scripture is the rich young ruler. You guys know who the rich young ruler is? 
The rich young ruler is this man that Jesus comes across in his, in his time and ministry, and he talks to him. And he has this impactful conversation that speaks into my life on a regular basis still. And I think it's a really good picture of what I had going on in my life. So you, you hear the rich young ruler, and, and I'm going to get to that story. It's in Luke 18. So if you have your Bibles and you're one who likes to follow along your Bible, grab that. Otherwise, we'll have the words on the screen. But the rich young ruler is set into the context of Luke 18. And during this time, Jesus is going around and teaching and healing people. It's very action-oriented. He's getting things done. He's teaching. He's healing. He's talking to people. And during this time, we have three stories right in a row. The first is the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now, this is a story, and you may remember it, where Jesus is observing people coming in to, and, uh, and they're, they're, he's talking about these people coming in to the temple. And the first is a Pharisee, and the Pharisee comes in, and he follows all the rules. To, he's got everything straight. He's got it all right. He, he follows scripture. He prays every day. He gives more than he should give. You know, he, he is above and beyond. And he comes into the temple, and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like those tax collectors, that I'm not like those prostitutes, that I'm not like those sinners. God, I thank you that you have made me better than that. And then a minute later, this tax collector comes in, and he gets on his knees, and he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner. See, tax collectors in that time, they're turncoats. They're people who are Jewish by birth, but had decided to side with the Romans, with the oppressors. And this tax collector says, have mercy on me, God. I'm a sinner. He humbles himself, and he says, have mercy on me, God. He has faith. And Jesus looks at these two, and he says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then the very next story, if you follow your Bible in Luke 18, is the story of these people bringing Jesus their little children. So you can imagine Jesus standing and he's talking and he's telling these really impactful stories and he's ministering to people, he's healing people. And all of a sudden, somebody brings up their young child and maybe it's a baby or maybe it's a you know, five-year-old walks up and they're like, hey, Jesus, bless my child. Jesus, my child wants to say hi. Jesus, my, and what do the disciples do? They step in as the bouncers, and they say, no, 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 take your children away. He's got more important things to do. Jesus has more important things to do than talk to your children. That's what they say. And Jesus, Jesus says, no, disciples, you step back. He says, truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. See, Jesus says to both these stories, humble yourself, step out in faith, be like a child. Into that, the rich young ruler walks up. And again, this is the man that I think represents me well in my 20s. It's a good analogy, or I'm a good analogy to him. I had everything set. And he walks up, and he says, a certain young ruler asks Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All of these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said, you still lack one thing. 
Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. So this man comes up and he says, I've done it all right. I've got everything I need and more. How? How do I gain the kingdom of heaven? I want that too. And he has enough pride to believe that he's done everything right all along the way. And Jesus sees right into his heart. He sees what the man really holds on to. What does he really hold on to? He holds on to his stuff. He holds on to his riches. He holds on to his position. He holds on to his power. He holds on, in short, to himself. And Jesus says, set aside yourself. Set aside your stuff. Humble yourself. Step out in faith. And you will be blessed. When the man heard this, he became very sad because he was wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we have had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come. See, Jesus said to the man, you're putting yourself first. You're trusting in your own power. You're trusting in who you are. And I look back at myself in my 20s, and that's what I was doing. Yes, I had success. But it was success based on money and privilege and power and all kinds of things that were handed to me and things that maybe you could say I earned by working hard. But either way, I wasn't trusting God. I wasn't stepping out in faith. I wasn't being humble with who I was. I wasn't. See, Jesus and the rich young ruler are both asked a similar question. Jesus is asked, which is the greatest commandment? And he says, love God and love others. And then when, he's at, when he interacts with the rich young ruler, he says, you still lack one, sell, one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. See, Jesus says to him, essentially, love God, love others. And this is the answer the rich young ruler gives. He heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. That's the question I want to ask you today. If God stares into you and says, give of yourself, love God, love others, are you willing to say yes? See, in my 20s, I often was not. And even today, there's so many times I say no to that because I like my stuff, and I like my comfortable place, and I like being what I have. I do. So if you have Jesus asking that question, if he's saying to you, love God, love others, that should be the answer. Are you willing to say yes to that? Are you willing to say, I'm going to love God, I'm going to love others? Now what I'm going to ask you today is I'm going to shift off of this into some of what we've done at Bold Hope and some of what helped me say yes to that question. I'm going to talk from my personal testimony and Kim and Karen are going to come talk from theirs as well over the next 15 or 20 minutes. And I want you to be thinking whether you may be willing to say yes as well. Because if you are, 
I, 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 believe me, God will reward it. Jesus said it himself. See, my late 20s, I ended up uh, heading out to MBA school at Penn State. And while I'm there, I'm going to business school. This earthquake, this devastating earthquake hit the people of Haiti. Huge magnitude earthquake. I'm sure if you're old enough, you remember it. 200,000 people were killed. A million were displaced. And I know 200,000 is such a big number, it's hard to picture. But when Katrina hit, and the terrible thing that happened, I'm not trying to downplay this. Katrina hit a couple thousand. A couple thousand were killed. When this earthquake hit, 200,000 people lost their lives. Into that, I'm at business school. And, and, and into that, a flood of, okay, Matt, you can't say no anymore. You got to step out. And so me and some others, we said, okay, we will step into this. We will take a short-term mission trip down to see what God has for us. And so we stepped out in faith. And it changed my life. You can see the devastation that we saw when we got there. When we got down there, we found people who, yes, were devastated by the earthquake, but more than that, were absolutely devastated by the poverty that surrounded them. Deep, lasting poverty. Parents that couldn't feed their children. Children that couldn't go to school, couldn't learn to read because their parents couldn't afford to send them. People that every moment of every day, all they're thinking is, how am I going to eat? How am I going to eat? How am I going to survive? And it broke my heart. It changed who I was. Before we went down, we found out that the average Haitian lived on one U.S. dollar a day. Imagine that. Imagine what you can get for one dollar. What, a little bowl of rice or two? One U.S. dollar for everything they had. And so we decided, there's four of us, we decided the four of us would go down and live on $1 a day for 28 days. So this wasn't a one-week mission trip, this was a four-week mission trip. And so I got $7 for week one, $7 for week two, and we pooled our money. And so for the four of us, we had $28 for the week, $4 a day. And we bought water with that because we didn't want to get diseases from the water, and we bought rice with that, and, 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 we, and we cooked our own food. In 28 days, my life completely changed. I went from knowing nobody in poverty to having so many people I knew, real people, who were desperately poor and in need of Jesus. Desperately poor. In 28 days, I lost 29 pounds. It's not a healthy diet plan, but it works. I was, I was, it, was a, it was a good diet plan. But it, 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 it affects you. As your body deteriorates, you go, oh, wow, this is how they live every day. And I used to be this, and I am a type A person. You, you set a plan, you accomplish it. You set a plan, you accomplish it. That's what you do. That's how you succeed. And then when you're, you're, your body's deteriorating, you're sitting there, and you go, wow, I have no energy, nothing. It's hard to explain three weeks into starving how you feel, but you don't have energy. And you go, oh, I get it. I get why they can't get ahead. Sometimes we say, well, why don't you just work harder? Three weeks in, you're like, I don't want to leave bed. I'm tired from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed. It changed my life. It changed my heart. It changed who I was. And out of that, I came out of that completely different, ready to jump in for the kingdom. I'm going to ask him to come up, and I'm going to ask her to share a little of her story in missions. 
so this is definitely how God changed my life on the missions trip. This is not <laughs> what I ever used to do. Um, we had the opportunity to go to Jamaica in 2019. Um, and the children and the families down there, they, they have a lot of issues and things to deal with, but they just crave God. They crave the word of God. They want to learn about him all the time. They want people to come and teach them and, and, and just spend that time with them. And so not being a public speaker, I volunteered to go, you know, uh, go out in faith, and I taught a class or a, a a sermon or however you want to say it, to about 200 kids at a school. <laughs> Very daunting, and I did one of these the entire time because I was so nervous. Um, but they focused so much on that, what I was trying to say and what God was, was saying through me, and just to watch them, and they were so excited just to hear us talk. And there were other people that talked that week and, uh, you know, we talked to kids from 18 down to two years old, and they just wanted to hear what God had to say. Mm-hmm. And that whole trip changed my life in the way that um, these trips are amazing, and I definitely recommend that you go on one, but just talk about God everywhere you go to anybody that you see. So I came home and started doing stuff like this, and I did a video over the summer, and um, I've been able to, you know, step out more uh, away from my nervousness and, and worry and really talk more about God in every aspect of my life. And it was just such a life-changing trip to be able to do that because everybody needs to hear what mm. God has to say. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. So, <clears throat> so, so I love, Kim's going to share and Karen's going to share from your own church family about what God's done with them and through them and with them and in them. And in the same way uh, that Karen talks about how she came back changed, she did a great job of talking about I came back with a different attitude about sharing Jesus. Same thing happened to me. I came back from this trip that I was on with a different attitude, with a different mindset about sharing Jesus. And we came back and we said, okay, how can we do this full time? How can this be our vocation? How can we share Jesus with the people of Haiti the people around us, and God started to bless. We started to take steps in that direction. You see, he had changed our hearts and our minds during that time in Haiti, and he started to change our future as well. Here's a video about that. In 2010, we spent a month living alongside those affected by the earthquake in Haiti. Over 200,000 people lost their lives, and millions more were affected. After what we experienced, the words of Jesus compelled us to do more. And so, bold hope was born. We've learned so much on the journey thus far. We've seen how God uses mission trips to connect people across cultures and backgrounds, impacting the lives of travelers and locals alike as their minds are opened and their hearts are changed.
We've learned that sponsoring children is much more than just providing health and education opportunities to kids without. It's about walking with families, building relationships, and empowering them to be a source of transformation in their communities. We've seen that God's church is resilient. And though poverty and suffering persist around the world, there is hope. We can't do it alone, but together as one body, we can make a difference. So what we found as we started to serve more fully, as we started to jump in with both feet, is we found so many opportunities to serve orphans and widows. That we found so many opportunities to serve those who, who often knew Jesus, but were just suffering. We came alongside them in their work as they actually were already, many of them, serving each other and saying, how can we be part of this? And it was so beautiful to step into that. We found people, several people, off the top of my head right away. I can talk about a few of them um, that, that just blew us away with their kindness and generosity to others. We found a small hospital down in downtown Port-au-Prince, Mother Teresa's Children's Hospital. And their job was to bring babies in, babies that were on the edge, and to feed them, nurse them back to health. We ran into a pastor named Pastor Richard, and he lived down in this town. This is a picture of the town he lived in. Now, he had the money and connections that he could leave that town, but he chose to live downtown in the biggest slum, what they call the biggest slum in the Western Hemisphere, hundreds of thousands of people living in, in little shacks. And I was invited into his home, and it's smaller than this stage. And I'm in his home, and he's walking through, giving me a tour, which a tour is pretty much like, this is my home. It's not real interesting if there's not a lot of rooms. Um, but he's like, hey, my son sleeps there, and my daughter sleeps there. And I use this story all the time because it really messed with my head. And my other daughter sleeps there, and my other son sleeps there, and my wife and I, we sleep over there. And you're like, dude, how many kids do you have? I mean, that's a lot of kids. But I asked it, you know, nicer than that. Hey, Pastor Richard, how many children do you have? Well, we only have two biological kids. But when you live in a place like this and you see a child living on the street, how can you leave them out there? So you invite them in and you adopt them. Wow. I spent the majority of my life not knowing anyone in need. And he's living his life, opening his life to allowing others to be part of it, loving them. That's a challenge. And then Pastor Mede, he's a pastor in the Dominican Republic where we work. And he's put decades into pouring into kids, just like the kids that Pastor Richard's meeting. Kids and families that are hurting deeply. Aggie's a missionary I met while doing this work. She's young. She's in her 20s. She moved down overseas. And she brings in kids. This is a picture. One of the girls she's helped. She has a program. This is the before picture. And then I think some two years later or so, the after picture. Look at the health and the smile. It's beautiful to see what God will do through faithful servants. She's a missionary who said, I'm going to pour into, I'm going to pour my life out for these children. By, by meeting these people, by seeing how they're just living all out for Jesus, we were challenged to come up with a vision where we could live all out for Jesus. And we could invite Americans to be part of it. And I got to tell you, as we see other people do it, it becomes more of a challenge to me that how do we do this as well? And what developed was this relationship-focused vision 
Or what does it look like for us to deeply get to know people? So when they have a need, we know it ahead of time. We're walking life with them. We're preaching the gospel through our actions and our words, through the love that we have for them. What does that look like? And so we started to step into that vision. I've been on this island for a while now. I've seen a lot of things in my 11 years too. Crazy things, difficult things, awesome things. Let me tell you about how it all began. I was born in the hearts of two men. Well, they were more like boys at the time, but still. That's where it all got started for me. Hashtag humble beginnings. That was all the way on the other side of the island in a faraway land called Haiti. They didn't have any previous experience, you know. They just went for it. They wanted to see people and communities changed and empowered by the love of Jesus. They advocated, fed, clothed, sent kids to school, and shared the good news of Christ. Where others saw impossibilities, we saw a way. Where others denied, we affirmed. People from around the world got involved, many of which are sitting in this very room. And together we've seen God's name glorified. What an amazing journey it's been so far. Like I said, I was born in Haiti, but now I call the DR my home as well. My message has not changed. It's still one of hope and abundance. Perhaps many look at where we are and see an impossible task, but that's not what I see. I see a people with changed hearts working to transform their communities. I see the brokenhearted being made whole and those that society rejected becoming agents of impact in that very society. I see kids in school with the hope of graduating, broken families restored and the marginalized becoming missionaries, proclaiming the goodness of God throughout the island. I see the lowliest of these becoming greats in the kingdom. I see cycles of poverty and injustice broken and made right. I see us, the church, the body of Christ, working together as ministers of reconciliation to announce the kingdom of God is here. This hope is for today, not just tomorrow, for the here and the now, not only for eternity. Like I said, I've been on the island for a while. Though I was born in the hearts of those two brothers, I now live in the hearts of countless others, too many to name. Speaking of names, let me give you mine. You can call me V. V is in vision. So I, I love, absolutely love the end of that video. The joy in those kids' faces. They're from the Dominican Republic. And what God is doing there is just so beautiful. Through people like you, I don't know if you guys know this, three years ago, we, we reached out, or you actually reached out to us and said, hey, we want to be part of what God's doing. How can we help? And, and we gave you, uh, we gave your leadership or whoever it was, hey, here's three options. I don't remember the first two, but it was like this for $1,000, this for $3,000, or this is kind of like a blow-away goal, but $8,000 to finish the tile floor in the school in Haiti. And you guys came back and said, we want to do the eight. And you came through with $8,500, $8,500. Can you give yourselves a hand? Because that, that allowed us to finish the tile floor in the school. 
It really blew us away, your generosity did. Now, so many other churches and individuals and people and businesses and foundations have come behind what God is doing. And that video there talked about how we're now in the Dominican Republic as well as Haiti, along with we're in Belize where we're serving the Mayan population there. In Haiti, we have around 40 employees. We have a school and a medical clinic and a feeding program and an adult learning program because we believe in relational learning, teaching people to fish rather than just handing them a fish. What would it look like if the kids of Haiti could be fed by their own parents if they didn't need us at all? That would be such a beautiful thing. And we see that vision, and we preach that vision, we want that vision. We want for us to come alongside long enough to teach them to fish so then they can teach their own. And so I'm here today to invite you into that because you can get involved. You can be part of teaching others to fish. You can be part of the vision. We've had the blessing because of people like you of being able to send tens of thousands of dollars to fight trafficking in places like Nepal and India. In Nepal, the way they do it, they don't just say, hey, come out of trafficking. No, they, they grab these young ladies especially, and often it's just terribly devastating stories. But it's relational ministry. It's a partner of ours. We don't run the ministry over there. We are partnered with them. And they get these ladies who are a lot of times young teens, and they walk with them for as much as a decade or more, day in, day out, counseling provision of what they need, walking with them until they're on their feet. They do not release them until they are on their feet so they don't have to go back into that. And that is beautiful, and that's what God calls us to do. That's the vision God has given us, is walking alongside people, preaching the gospel, yes, with words, but also with reactions, loving the people he's put in front of us. As we close here, I want to invite you to get involved in a couple ways. All right, a couple ways One, pray regularly. If this moves you at all, please, please pray for us. We need it. The stuff we do is challenging. Two, you can give monthly. So I don't have a lot. That's fine. Sign up on our website. Give $5 a month. It makes a difference, and it'll allow you to, and if you say, I can't give at all, no problem. At least sign up for our newsletter. Our newsletter comes out each month or every other month. We're not going to hit you with 12 emails at a time. Get to know, be praying for the ministry. Next, we'd like to invite you to volunteer for a trip or do child sponsorship. I'm going to talk about volunteering for a trip first. All right, but before I talk about it, I want to invite Karen to come up to talk about her experience volunteering with us. Good morning. Uh, What a compelling story. Um, And I was just sitting here, it feels like yesterday, um, four years ago when Matt came for the first um, time to share the mission of Bold Hope, just like you um, today, this morning. Um, And you might be like me, questioning what skills that you might have to offer. Um, Our team at Hope prepared for months in advance, um, prayed for our team's safety, packed supplies, and brought um, all of those down to Haiti. Um, Just, it was extremely... Um, familiar with those videos. Uh, about two months, uh, two, a week before our uh, trip was ready to go, we, our trip was canceled. Uh, civil unrest, it was just not safe to travel. It was just on my heart so incredibly. My family supported my choice to continue the, the mission and really uh, signed up for another trip to go with um, another group of people from around the country. Johnson & Johnson does a medical trip. 
I personally have no medical experience. I have three boys, I can assess a bruise, I can patch up a Band-Aid, but I do not have the qualifications to support doctors, nurses, and pharmacists to bring medical care to communities that were in the most uh, highest, greatest need I've ever known and ever had seen. But I, I did, I, I went and I was, uh, I was willing to go. So I just heard God's put it on my heart and I, and I honored that. I continue to honor that and he covered every single detail. I will just assure you that he will do that. I was incredibly humbled by the amazing work that I witnessed and I was a part of. And as a team, like I said, we brought that um, medical care, uh, oral care, simple eye, eye care to people who just simply didn't have that. Um, but so I'll end now personally inviting you to consider a trip. We as a team here at GLOW are looking to, to put something together for next summer. So I do hope that you will consider that. Uh, we do not have a location. We don't exactly have dates quite yet. But that's why you got the survey. We're trying to get a feel for our body to see where you guys might be, where you might want to go. And then um, obviously work with Matt to try to kind of finalize those details. Um, but again, if you, you don't need qualifications. Um, there's a quote, I don't know exactly who put it out there, but it rests on my heart after um, going putting this together, and that um, as long as you have a heart for God and a willingness to serve, he will give you everything that you do need. He doesn't um, call the qualified, he qualifies the cult. Mm. So I do uh, invite you to, to consider. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Karen. I, I want to invite you, like Karen did, she said, all right, I'm in. Even when your trip was canceled because of unrest, she said, I'm still in. And we have a team from J&J that comes annually, generally speaking, COVID-related other reasons. Why not? But, but uh, she said, I'll jump on with that team from J&J instead. And so she was able to come and serve, and we're thankful for that. Whatever your skills are, if you like working with kids or you don't, if you like swinging a hammer or you don't, uh, if you are willing to teach adults, so we do adult care classes, and there's things that you'd be like, of course they know about that. No, they don't have health class. Some of them never went to school. Some of them are illiterate. So the things that you just take for granted, they might not know. They might not know about germs, or they might not know about whatever it may be. And you can come and just do adult care type classes. There's lots of ways to get involved. Last, and if you want to do that, if you have any interest, not, not your signing up, two things. One, we're going to have a survey in a minute that we're going to put up on the screen, a QR code. Please fill out the survey, no matter who you are. Second, meet me in the back. I'll be back there. Last thing I want to talk about is child sponsorship. All right, I have a quick video to finish me off, and that's it. But with child sponsorship, you can make an ongoing impact. You say, I don't want to travel. I don't want to do any of the rest, but I'd like to help some of those kids. The two kids that I have up here, sorry, on the right, these two kids are part of our child sponsorship program. When COVID hit, these are some of the food packs we were able to deliver because of faithful child sponsors, even in the midst of COVID. Here's the video. Oh, vi una foto cuando Mia estaba aquí. Nosotros nos divertíamos mucho. De verdad le extraño. A letter from Victoria came in the mail today. She got the picture I sent. What an angel she is. Recuerdo que saltamos la soga, dibujamos y le peiné su cabello. Luego tuvimos una batalla de agua y yo la mojé entera. I remember we went to Victoria's house to show her mom the crafts. 
Alana invited us to sit and chat, and we laughed at how wet we were from our water fight. Cuando Mia estaba en nuestra casa, mamá nos dio algunos mangos de nuestro patio. Tuve que enseñarle cómo comerlo de una vez. We talked about Victoria, what she likes to do with her friends, her interest, and her dreams for the future. I got a picture of a girl with so much to offer the world, and in that moment, I knew I wanted to help her reach all God created her to be. Mamá dice que mi es parte de nuestra familia, aunque vive lejos de nosotras. Veo que mi mamá ya está sonriendo más. Y ella también empezó a cantar de nuevo. My relationship with Victoria and her family has shown me what's really important in life. I feel they've given me so much more than I could ever give them. Knowing them and their story has changed the way I see the world and inspires me to truly live out my faith. Yo siempre escuchaba que si sigues a Jesús, eres parte de una familia muy, muy grande en todo el mundo. Y ahora veo que es verdad. So if you see this and you say, hey, I feel challenged to get involved, but I, I don't know that I can step out in a, a physical way or whatever it may be, but you can step into somebody's life in a relational way, I invite you to do so. I'll be back at the table back there. We have a bunch of kids who need sponsorship. I think I brought something like 20. Don't expect to have 20 sponsored, but if you want to blow me away, that'd be great. Um, but you can help provide physical needs and spiritual and educational support to a child in need. And, and if you want to be part of that, we invite you to do so. All right, I'll be back there to answer questions about what our sponsorship program looks like. Thank you all for your attention today. I am going to close out in prayer, but, but I, I, I want to remind you, the reason I came with Luke 18 as a scripture, and I talk about the rich young ruler, is I think it's a good mirror of my, my life in my 20s. But honestly, that scripture, even this week as I was pouring over it to come talk today, it challenges me. It challenges me because Jesus, Jesus challenges that man. He looks into that man's heart and says, I know what you're putting before God. I know what you're putting before him. And so whatever you walk away with today about bold hope and short-term missions and sponsorship, please look into your own heart. Allow him to work on your heart. Because, man, I was challenged this week reading that passage. What am I putting above God? Lord, I thank you for the challenges you you give us in Scripture the challenge to follow you with all that we are, the challenge to step out in faith, to be humble, to allow you to work on our hearts. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you came here to earth to love us, to die for us, so that, Lord, we can walk in you, that you can walk in us and through us, that you can make a difference in our lives and allow us to make a difference in the lives of others. 
Lord, if you're working on someone's heart this morning, Lord, I pray that you give them the guts to step out in faith, the willingness to be, to be humble and to seek you in whatever it may be. Whether it's something with bold hope and short-term missions, or maybe, Lord, you're calling them to volunteer here at Hope Church or to reach out to their neighbor. Lord, I don't know what you're putting on their heart. It might have nothing to do with bold hope. But, Lord, use your word to work in them, to work through them, and give them the ability to say yes to you, Lord, to say yes to whatever you have, however you want them to serve their neighbor, whether it be their literal neighbor, maybe someone in their family, someone here at church or around the world, that you'll give them the guts to say yes. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.